Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. How many of y'all know what today is? Fish day, yeah. Pentecost Sunday. That's right. Pentecost Sunday. I'm going to talk about that some later, but not right now. Just want to, you know, put little teasers out there. <laughs> Today I want to talk about... Um, so, let me just step back a minute. The, the reason why we are doing this thing today with another church, uh, as much like the last time we did something with this church, is we, we want to increase unity in the body of Christ. Does anybody here think that's a bad thing? Good. So, we want to increase unity in the body of Christ. We're going to talk about several things today uh, that explain what the body of Christ is and, and all the different levels of that. We're going to talk about why unity is good, but we're also going to talk about something else, and I believe this to be the, uh, the, the cornerstone of the message today. We'll get to that in a minute. So let's look in verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 4. It says, And he gave him, and I'm sorry, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Man, that is a lot of words. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning and craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto Him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Man, that sounds great. This passage of Scripture describes what I would call is kind of the ideal progression of a Christian. We're, we're saved, and oftentimes when we are saved, as, as pretty much everybody here ought to know, you're not really in the best spot when you're saved. Usually there's a whole lot of problems in your life. You, you have sin that you've got to be forgiven for. It, and sometimes it is addictions that you've got to be freed from. There's, there's problems in relationships. There's all sorts of things. And I say all that not to say that once you're saved, all of that falls away and there's never any more problems. I wish that were the case, but that's not the truth. But there is a progression in the life of a Christian. Some people refer to it as uh, sanctification. That as you grow in Christ in the knowledge of His Word, uh, there are things that you 
get rid of in your life. You begin to purify yourself of things that you, as you come to the knowledge of sin, you say, you know what, I don't want that in my life no more. I can get that out of here. And God can begin to do a work in you that restores broken relationships. It restores uh, things in your life that have been damaged by sin in your life. We're saved by the grace of God. Once that happens, we can then be equipped by the Holy Spirit to do the work of the kingdom of God. As we grow in knowledge of the Word, we learn to stand on solid ground, not on shifting sand, so that we're not tossed around by every little thing that comes through that sounds good. I know many of you have heard, you know, sometimes it's even a joke about uh, these, these famous preachers. And some of the things they say and how, how some of it is just, is so, like they don't want to say anything that might hurt somebody's feelings. So they say everything just super nice. And it ends up, if we're not real careful in those situations, we start to listen to false doctrine because it sounds good. And so, as we grow in the knowledge of the Word and in our relationship with the Lord, we begin to recognize those things. Last week, I believe, we talked about knowing uh, uh, something that's counterfeit because you know what the real thing looks like. And so, think about that. That progression in the life of a Christian, right? So, through that personal growth process, there's something else that should be occurring according to this passage. And that is growing as a body of believers. So you've got your personal growth, but then there is the unity of the body of Christ that becomes so important. Because I depend on my brothers and sisters in Christ to help hold me accountable, to encourage me when I'm down, to exhort me when I don't want to go, grab me, come on, let's go. I, I depend on my brothers and sisters in Christ as a member of my own body. That, that is exactly how we should think of it. If you lost your arm today, you'd be missing that arm. You would encounter all sorts of things that you couldn't do the same way you used to do them. And even if you find a way to work around it, you're still going to be looking back and saying, man, I really wish I still had that arm. So let's look at verse 16. Again, this is what we would call the ideal configuration of the body of Christ. It says, from the whole body, or some, I'm sorry, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together. Think, let's think about this in physical terms for a moment. Forget this spiritual concept of the body of Christ. We'll come back to it. But think about your body. Who wants their arm to be out of joint? Nobody does. It has to be in joint. It has to be linked to those muscles through tendons and ligaments. All these different things have to work together. It says, From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. What does that mean? There's a, a work that my arm does. This elbow right here has a purpose. When it's 
not able to do what it's designed to do, then I feel it. Anybody that's ever, Caleb had a surgery, right? I think Dylan had one on his arm. When things don't do what they're supposed to do, if something's out of joint or, or detached, you feel it. You're limited then by what you can do. And so having our, our joints all knitted together, everything working like it should, it says every joint supplies something to the effectiveness of the body working. Then it says, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. If one of my legs doesn't work well, the other one has to carry the weight. Ask Rhonda. She knows how that feels right now. She is, she's struggling. When that one foot starts hurting more, she wants to use the other one more. Then the next thing you know, her, her hip is hurting. She's feeling it in her lower back. I mean, if one part is not carrying the, its share... The other ones have to feel that. When everything is working together, when everything is joined like it should, and everything is carrying its own weight, the last part of that verse says it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself. This only happens when every joint supplies what it has to offer. When there are fractures in joints and limbs, the body doesn't operate the way it's supposed to. So it's really easy for us to look at the personal side. We, we understand that relationship with, with our Lord and Savior is crucial. Knowledge of His Word, growing in that is crucial in our personal growth. Most of us, we're, we're here today for a reason, right? We, we don't come for entertainment value. If you do, you probably leave here wanting every week. You don't come for entertainment value. You come because you want to hear the Word. You want to be in the presence of the Lord. You want to fellowship with other believers. You want to be a part of the body, right? That's why we come together. That's why we build a building and meet on Sundays is so that the body can come together. So we understand the personal. We understand the need for a local body. And then it goes on past that. It goes into our community. It goes nationwide. It goes across the entire world. The body of Christ extends all over. We look at just our community. Let's think about that for a moment because we can get too big real quick. We think just about our local body. Let's just say, let's assume for a moment that we have perfect unity here. Do we? We're going to assume for a moment. Okay, we'll, we'll circle back if we need to. So if we've got everything on lockdown here, we're good then what about our community? We look around our community, y'all. There is absolutely no reason why we should have so many churches in Houston County. It's ridiculous. It's not needed. If you look at the population, compared to the number of churches, it's, it's crazy. Why is that? I'll give you one word. Fractures. 
fractures in the body. Have any of y'all ever been a part of a church when there was a division? And you had a mass exodus of half the church. What do they do? They all think the same. They all think the same. So somebody stays in the building. Somebody else goes off and creates a new building. It's a fracture in the body of Christ. Meanwhile, all of them people claim to be Christians, right? And I'm not trying to question anybody's salvation today, but we've got a group all together that says, we all believe the same thing. We're all going to the same place. And then somebody gets mad, maybe a group of people get mad, or they get hurt, or they get upset, whatever it may be, there is a fracture in the body, and then this one group decides, we're going to go over here, and we're going to start our own thing. Now, look, we came from a place where we all agreed, and we went to a place where now we all agree over here apart from each other. And that if we look around our community today, that's what we see time and time again. There is no reason why there should be so many churches, except there's no unity. We've got different people that believe very similar things that decide, I, I want to do it over here, not over there. Many of these churches... And I think if, if we were all honest with ourselves today, we could say we've, we've done this. How many times have we looked at another church and criticized them? Or maybe we envied them for what they have. We, we look at their, uh, the things they do, the, the resources they have, and we say, man, well, if we had that, we could, we could do something good too. That's not being unified in the body. We've got the, the global body of Christ that goes outside of our communities. It goes, like I said, out into the state, across other states, into the nation, into the world. And there's, there can be major differences from one location to another in doctrine, forms of worship, or whatever. And I would say a lot of times the reason why we go to the church we go to is because it's comfortable. It's what meets our expectations. It's, it's what causes us to feel like, yeah, this is home. Have you ever said that? I, I, I like that church, man. It just feels like home. It's comfortable. That's good until it's not. <laughs> because what we're also effectively saying is those other ones aren't. So we, we think about this, personal, local, community, global. And if we're not careful to get so big, we can't even, I don't even know where to start. How do we fix this? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. It, it, I know it's a silly illustration, but if you look at that elephant and say, man, how am I going to eat this thing? You will become so overwhelmed. Guys, I, I want to share this with you today because there is a need that our community comes together. We, we see so much division in a, in, a, 
in a town with a population of 300 and something people. I know there's more than that because everybody calls everything around here canard. Like, Barantown's not canard. You know, but that, everything identifies as canard. Unless you're not from canard. Then you say, I'm not from canard. <laughs> I'm from Ratcliffe. I'm from Barantown, whatever. But if we, if we don't do anything... What we'll have is we'll just continue to perpetuate division in the body of Christ. Why do we need unity in the body of Christ? How many of y'all are okay with people living their life however they want to and dying and going to hell? Thank you. Not okay with it. I shouldn't be comfortable with that idea that, well, I mean, all they got to do is come to church and then, you know, except they're not going to. If there's folks out there that haven't came to church up to this point, they either haven't been invited or they don't want to come. And there might be good reasons why they don't want to come. Maybe it's because of the division in the body of Christ. Maybe it's because of hypocrisy that they see day in and day out. Of people claiming to be one thing and living something completely different in front of them. Maybe they, they have been to church before and they have been burned because people did them wrong. We, we often look at outsiders outside the church and we say, well, that's their problem. No, it's not. It's our problem, church. It is our problem. Why? Because we have tasted and seen the goodness of God. We know the difference. We know that God is good and that He can make a difference in your life. And beyond all of the, the temporary circumstances of this life, it goes on into eternity. I have tasted and seen that God is good and I know that my hope is in what Jesus Christ has offered and that when I die and leave this world, I'm going to be with Him. That right there ought to be enough for me to say, man, if that's what it takes for me to suck up my pride and unify with some people, that's what I need to do. I want to see people saved. I don't want people to go to hell. I don't want people to suffer and go through this life with their lives just in turmoil. There is a difference in trials when you have peace and trouble when you don't. So what do we do? How do we start? I'm going to tell you, first of all, it starts with you and me. I think anything you endeavor to do in the body of Christ, you need to start with yourself. You've got to look at ourselves and see, do we have any unforgiveness? Are we holding any grudges or anger? You know, like I said, a a lot of people go to a different church because there's upset, there's problems. So what we often do is, well, separation, we're good now. We don't have to deal with this. Yet there's still 
unforgiveness. There's still hurt. There's still anger. Just because it's not in your face all the time and you're not having to confront it doesn't mean it's not still there. We've got to get rid of that. Did someone do something to you that you haven't forgiven? Do they even know they did it? What about between us and our, our Lord? Do we have unforgiven sin between us and Him? The Word tells us that sin is enmity with God. It, it, that means it, it's a division between you and Him. It's like putting a wall, a divider wall between you and God. And when you have sin in your life that you don't get rid of, that wall stays there. You ever, and I'm not going to say this is every time, okay? This is an example of what can happen. Have you ever felt like when you prayed, nothing happened? But lurking in the back of your mind is some sin you knew you hadn't asked for forgiveness for? That's because there is that division between you and God. I'm not trying to tell you that's every time. There's times I knew I was good with God, but it just felt like my prayers didn't get passed into my lips. That was feelings. God was moving. God was working. But I'm here to tell you today that unconfessed, unforgiven sin in your life not only divides you from God, but it also hurts you. For your own sake, you must forgive others and get forgiveness. Okay? Let's just break it down as simple as possible. For your sake. Don't do it for them. Do it for yourself. Forgive. So, once we've taken care of ourselves, next, um, do you know that you did something to somebody else that you haven't asked for forgiveness for? There's times I knew I probably said something wrong or did something wrong and it starts working on me. And eventually I just I have to I have to just suck it up and I have to go to that person and say, Look, I I really messed that up. I handled that wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And you know what I found most of the time? Number I feel way better afterwards, but most of the time that person's like, What are you talking about? I don't even know what I'm talking about. That's not the point. Point was, I know I did wrong. It doesn't matter what somebody else thinks about it. I know I did wrong. So getting that forgiveness for others, are there, are there people in your life that you don't live at peace with? The Bible says that you should do, with all that lies within you, all the power that you have, live at peace with all men. I always love to look at the other side of that. Sometimes I don't have a choice. Right, that, that's where that kind of that prideful nature comes in. It says, "Well, you know, sometimes you just got to bow up. Sometimes you got to do something about it." Don't be quick to go there. <laughs> as much as lies within me, live at peace with all men. You know what that really means? That means there's a lot of times I've got to keep my mouth shut. I know I'm right. I know I'm justified. That doesn't help me live at peace with people, though. So all of that makes our personal walk 
with people better. Relationships are important. It makes our local church better. But then we've got to look outward. Look at other bodies of believers. What are the reasons that they cannot feel comfortable working with us? Why is it that we might not feel comfortable working with them? Is there a fundamental difference in beliefs? Listen, I'm not telling us that we should go link up with somebody that believes something completely contrary to what the Bible teaches. I'm, I'm not saying that. There's lots of people that call themselves Christians, but they're not. When you begin to study the doctrine of some, some religions, you find out real quick that you can call yourself whatever you want to, but that doesn't mean your beliefs really line up with what the definition of a Christian are. I'm not telling you that we should do that. We, we don't need to go join in with Mormons or, or Jehovah's Witness or anything like that. Y'all, that, that, that's not what I'm saying. But if there's no fundamental differences in our beliefs, ask yourself a question. Are, are they spreading a false doctrine? If they're not, maybe is it just that it pushes you out of your comfort zone? Is it just that this is not the way I like to worship? This is not the way I like to do things? We've got to shed those personal preferences. There are fractures in the body of Christ that need to be mended. When every joint is fitted together like it should be, verse 16 says it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That sounds great. Let's do more of that. Guys, I, I know this isn't one of those jumping and shouting messages today, especially on Pentecost Sunday. I, I would love to have one, but I believe that this is the heart of God. I believe with everything that's in me that this is a timely message for today. I believe that God is calling us to walk just a little bit higher than we have in the past to reach a little bit further than we have in the past, to reach out to those that are in need. Those are the easy ones. That's the obvious ones. There ain't a single one of us here that won't give of our own stuff, our own, even sacrifice what we might need to give to somebody that's in need. I know all of you so well. I know I can say that confidently. If there was somebody in need, you'll do what you can to help them. But what about the people that don't necessarily have a physical need, but they have a spiritual need? Will we step out of our comfort? Will we step out of, of our little safety of this body here and reach out to some folks that may not really fit the mold of what our ideal of a community full gospel church church member is? Are we willing to work with other bodies to further the kingdom of God. That is what it is all about. I want to see people saved. And I want to see people's lives changed. You know, there are people in this community that are saved. They know God. They were raised in church, but they've been hurt. I want to see their lives restored 
so that God can continue doing a work in them and that they can help build the kingdom of God. And y'all, we have got to be okay with people being in a position where they receive the goodness of God and they don't do it here. We've got to be okay with that. Y'all have heard me for the past almost 15 years tell you I don't care about numbers. And I don't. This place can fill up or it can be just whatever's here now. I'm good because I trust God. I know God is able and I'm not concerned about any of those things. But what I am concerned about is are we being effective for the kingdom of God? Numbers in these, in these seats don't mean that we are. But what we see going out and, and, and the impact in our community is an indicator. We, we've got to be out. We've got to be reaching past our comfort zone on Sunday morning into this community and seeing people's lives impacted by the body of Christ. How many of you know someone today that either needs Jesus in their life or just needs to see the love of Jesus in their life. Can you raise your hand? There you go. There's your mission field. Yeah, we support missionaries. We've got one in Romania. The Angersteins are going to get to go see them here this next week and spend some time. That's great. We need to keep doing that. We do plenty of it. We, want to, we ought to do more. But y'all, each one of you has a mission field Right here. You ain't got to go nowhere outside of your normal routine. It's right there. <laughs> it, it doesn't even require any extra effort in terms of traveling on your part. They are around you every day. But it will require extra effort to reach those people, to reach out to them, to show them love. And that's what we need to be doing is the body of Christ. Mending fractures. Performing surgery where it's needed. Bringing what we know to be good and true and perfect in the will of God into somebody else's life and not condemning them. Romans chapter 8 says that there is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus who walk after the Spirit. Is that right? Yeah. So why do we go about condemning people because they don't act quite right? Why do we go about condemning people that still have some sin in their life? They need Jesus if they don't have Him already. And if they have Him, they need to see the love of God and be drawn to repentance. Right? That's what they need. They don't need us beating them up and telling them how sorry they are. Or excommunicating them and saying, I don't want no part of that in my life. Maybe we need to get our hands dirty a little bit. I heard Sister Kay describe it one time, and man, it made such an impact on me. It just... It really impacted me greatly. When we start talking about reaching others for the kingdom of God, we've got to decide real quick, are we going to be butterfly farmers or worm farmers? Worm farmers get dirty. Butterfly, butterflies are so pretty, you know what I mean? But worm farmers, man, you've got to get your hands dirty. What are we going to do? Are we just going to look for the pretty? Are we just going to find the ones that meet that already fit the mold of what our idea of a Christian ought to be? Or are we going to get dirty? Are we going to get down where 
there's folks that really need help. Look, all of us need help. But y'all, there's folks out there that really need help. There's folks out there that are hurting. They've been hurt. They need healing. They need God to do a mighty work in them. They have believed a lie. They need the truth. What are we going to do, church? Who are we going to be? Are we going to mend fractures or are we going to create new ones? So I just challenge you today. Let that be on your mind as we go into this next week. What are you going to be about? Are you going to talk about it or are you going to be about it? That's something we say at work all the time. Are you going to talk about it or be about it? Are you going to call yourself a Christian or are you going to be a Christian? Two different ways to interact with people, ain't it?